0: Greetings Trinity. Welcome once again as we are working through Paul's letter to the Colossians. We are in the last chapter, chapter 4, and we're going to take some time to look at verses 2 through 6 together today. Hope these words will be words of encouragement for you and living out your life treasuring Christ. So let's consider them together. Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's take a moment to pray as we come to God's word. God, we certainly pray that you would do a good work in us, in our hearts, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever we are watching this and thinking this through. God, would you help us to think deeply upon what it is that you're calling us to in the world in which we live? And that our heart's desire would be to make much of Jesus through our lives. So we need you. We need you now as we come to your word. Be with us. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. When your heart is growing at treasuring Christ, at at seeing Jesus as supremely sufficient, Your life will grow at making much of Christ. This is so profound. It is an awesome, joyful privilege to see God use your life to make much of Jesus. And it's the outworking. It's an overflow of your life treasuring Jesus. And so for us, as we've been moving through Paul's letter to the Colossians, the hope and the aim has been to see that, that God has rescued us to and called us to a life that treasures Christ through all of life. And so treasuring Christ through all of life will, will, will sink into all the avenues, all the relationships, all the possibilities, even our life in this world. So my hope as we are considering this passage together is that we would see that treasuring Christ in the world leads to a dual commitment. One that is a commitment to prayer, and another that is a commitment to gospel purposes. So, as we consider that together today, I want us to consider treasuring Christ in the world, first, prayerfully, and then secondly, purposely. So that's our aim, to treasure Christ in the world prayerfully and to treasure Christ in the world purposely. So let's consider together this first point, treasuring Christ in the world prayerfully. Look back at verse 2 and 3, if you will. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So we have a call here. If we're going to take seriously the call to treasure Christ through all of life, we have a call to treasure Christ in the world in which we live. And within that is a call to do so prayerfully. That we would be steadfast in prayer. And to be steadfast in prayer considers three things for us from our passage. Considers this. First, it means to continue in prayer. To continue in prayer. You see, prayer isn't an activity to check off uh, for the day, like we do for many of our activities, but rather a disposition that is, a state of joyful readiness. That characterizes the habits of our heart. I'm going to say that again. To continue in prayer. Is a disposition. That is a, the state of a joyful readiness. That characterizes the habit of our hearts. It is the habit of how we continue to treasure Christ. And the world in which we live. And that habit is prayerfully prayerfully. And what that means is prayerfully we are recognizing God's grace and our needs. We are rejoicing over God's grace in the midst of our needs. And we are relying on God's grace in the midst of our needs. So so we want to have a heart. Whose disposition, whose state of joyful readiness is ready habitually in in the manner in which we live to recognize God's grace, to rejoice over God's grace, and to rely on God's grace. So, Paul is calling to us to continue in prayer. Now, we need to be careful and not read those words and think we need to be praying every single second of every single day. It's just not humanly possible. But we can have a heart whose habit is a joyful readiness to trust God, to lean into God, to look to God, to hope in God, to have joy in God, and to rely on Him. If we want to treasure Christ in the the context of a hard world, We need to have a heart whose habit is a joyful readiness to pray. And in that joyful readiness to pray, it's a heart that is also watchful. So if we're going to treasure Christ in the world prayerfully, then we need to continue in prayer. And as we continue in prayer, we are to be watchful in prayer. Watchful. It's an explicit call on our lives to be watchful in prayer. And that call has this implicit reality running underneath of it. And that reality is that the world in which we live is hard. The trappings of our heart are abundant. And so we need to be watchful. The very basic sense of the word watchful means to be awake. To be awake to two things. One, what we have been rescued to, life with Christ. And also to be awake to the trappings of what we've been rescued from in this world. So we need to be watchful to both of those things. Watchful to what we are alive to and watchful to the trappings of what we've died to. Because when we are honest with ourselves, and maybe in our current situation right now, we felt our hearts pull in these various directions, we are easily distracted by the world from what we are called to in Christ. Or maybe, maybe we realize that we are easily discouraged by our sin or the sin of others. And even sometimes, we may find that our hearts are easily derailed from living out a treasuring Christ through all of life, kind of life. We can certainly feel the distractions and discouragements and maybe even sometimes experience heart derailment when it comes to living out our life in Christ, in this world. So we need to be watchful, watchful. Right now we have much in our world around us that can provoke these things within us. As we wrestle with the weightiness of what we're experiencing as a society, as a culture, even across the globe, those things around us can be pressure points on our hearts to be distracted or discouraged or even to be derailed from treasuring christ through all of life so we need to be watchful we need to continue we need to have that habit of prayerful disposition in our hearts in which we have a joyful readiness to trust god commit to him in prayer and we need to be watchful for our lives as we go about treasuring christ in this world And then thirdly, we see we need to be thankful. And we need to be thankful in prayer. So how do we go about treasuring Christ in the world? Through prayerfulness. Well, we continue in prayer. We're watchful in prayer. And thirdly, we're thankful in prayer. Thankful in prayer. This call to a prayerful life doesn't come with the tone of, Of drudgery. But really really comes with the melody. Of thankfulness. Comes with the melody. The music of thankfulness. Thankfulness is the awareness. Of the grace of God. That rescues fools like us. It is a fresh awareness. To be thankful is a. Fresh awareness of God's grace in your life. A hardened heart is a thankless one. But a heart that is filled with thankfulness has a fresh awareness of God's grace. As a, it's a humble heart. It's a happy heart. It's a hopeful heart. We are called to this life of treasuring Christ. And treasuring Christ is our means. By which we have a constant source of reasons to be thankful. So if we go about growing at treasuring Christ. We experience all the means that will buffer our heart to remain thankful. I know that when my heart hardens or gets distracted by the things of this world or discouraged within or things around me that thanksgiving is not necessarily a common experience of my heart. I need all the more to to remind my heart of what God has supplied in Christ. And as I do, I I give my heart reasons Forever reasons, eternal reasons, infinite reasons to be thankful. Keeps my heart humble, happy, and hopeful. Now, that's that's one of the aspects in which we are to be prayerful, that we continue in prayer, that we're steadfast in prayer. But we're also to be purposeful in prayer, purposeful in prayer. And that purpose in prayer we see played out further when Paul asks for prayer around gospel ministry. So, so the people of God who are going about treasuring Christ through all their lives are to be a prayerful people, and in that praying, to, to be praying for gospel ministry. Paul specifically says, pray for open doors for gospel proclamation. He's asking for the church to be praying that doors would be open. That there would be ready access for opportunities to make much of Jesus. That those would be open for him and the gospel work that he is doing with other missionaries throughout the world at that time. That the gospel doors would be wide open for people to hear the gospel proclaimed. And he says, pray for this. Pray. Have a, have a mind to pray for this. Have a heart to pray that the gospel would go forward. That the mystery... of of God's purposes being revealed through the person and work of Jesus Christ would go out and people would hear and receive and believe. Paul's request here to pray for open doors for gospel proclamation where the mystery of God's purposes are revealed in Jesus goes back to a description he gave in Colossians chapter 1. At the end of that chapter, verses 25 through 28, you can look back at that on your own. But know that it is there where, where, where Paul is saying, I, I'm called to go to the world and help, help the world know all that God has done for them in Christ. That Christ in you is the hope of glory. That this is the mystery revealed. And he's praying that he can continue to do that. And he's asking the, the Colossians, the, the fellow believers to be praying for the same. And not only that, Paul goes on and he prays. That get this, he prays that he would be able to make clear the gospel. He's asking for prayer. The Apostle Paul is asking for prayer that he would be able to make clear the gospel. This should be huge encouragement for all of us. If the Apostle Paul needs prayer to make much of Jesus, then it's totally okay If you feel like you need buckets and buckets and buckets of prayer. Because we all need it. We all need it. We all need it because that's where the passage goes next. Yes, part of our continuing on. Treasuring Christ in the world is to be a prayerful people. Who continue in prayer. Who are watchful in prayer. Who are thankful in prayer. And who are praying on purpose, gospel purpose, because we also share in making much of Christ in the world in which we live. That leads us to our second point in our passage, and that is treasuring Christ in the world purposely. So we treasure Christ in the world prayerfully, and we treasure Christ in the world purposely. Let's consider verses 5 and 6. From Colossians chapter 4. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Treasuring Christ in the world purposely looks at our life and says, we need to walk in wisdom. The explicit call is to walk in wisdom. And that means our lives, living out a treasuring Christ through all of life, kind of life, would have the overflow of being lives that witness to the gospel. That would be lives witnessing to what God has done for us in the gospel. As we've considered before earlier in our series in Colossians, you have to think back to last fall. It's been a while. As we are, were considering earlier, when Paul uses the word walk, he's referring, he's using it as sort of a word picture for our manner of living. Our going, up, going about how we live out our faith in Christ. And so he's saying here, as you go about living out your life in Christ, as you go about living out this treasuring Christ above all else kind of life, that you're to do so purposefully. Purposefully. Purposefully with a gospel aim and intentions. And that little extra descriptor there, in wisdom, walk in wisdom toward outsiders is important for us to consider. I want you to note how Paul uses the word wisdom in his letter to the Colossians. I have a number of verses I want us to think back over, and, and I'm just going to read through them, and uh, you can see them on your screen, and you can read along with me. But I want us to to re, you know refresh our minds and the way that Paul uses the word wisdom in his letter to the Colossians. So. Let's, we're going to hit a number of verses here together uh, to refresh our understanding. The first one up is Colossians 1.9. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. Colossians one twenty eight him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ Colossians 2 verses 2 and 3 To reach all the riches of full assurance of wisdom and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Colossians 3:16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, when we consider what we see here in Paul's use with wisdom and walking or how we live out our lives, it becomes very clear that an aspect of walking in wisdom is that we would live out our lives in such a way that it makes much of knowing Christ. That it makes much of Jesus. We can even take that further and see that we are to live in such a way that is conducive to witnessing to the gospel. Paul's use of wisdom is associated with knowing and treasuring and living for Jesus. So we need to live in such a way that we're knowing and treasuring and living for Jesus toward outsiders. Our manner of living is conducive to witnessing to the gospel. Wisdom is associated with intentional making much of Jesus in and through your life. We want to see our manner of living intersect with open doors to make much of Jesus to outsiders. Now, outsiders may be a strong word. For us, we, we don't like to feel like insiders and outsiders. And, and so all Paul is simply saying is to those who are not Christians, to those outside of the community of God's people. It's not a derogatory term. It's just a, a description of those who don't have Christ, who are without hope that we would live out our hope-filled lives in such a way that it is conducive to sharing the reasons for that hope with those who don't have hope. So that's what Paul means by that. So to walk in wisdom is to live in such a way to be conducive to witnessing to the gospel. Then he takes that and he drives that home even further with his next phrase, making the most of the time. Making the best use of the time. That call is a, a call to make the most of the opportunities with others to make much of Jesus. That whatever days that we have, whatever context we are in, that we are to see those as great opportunities to make much of Jesus through our lives. Into the lives of those around us. Make the most of the time. Time, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I'd ask this question. Um, do you Do you ever feel like you are... All you ever do is toggle back and forth from from feeling like you have no time to feeling like all you have is time. You feel like your life is so busy or then there's stretches where there's nothing and you're just trying to pass the time. We can certainly feel that way. A couple of additional questions and maybe a little more Uh, pointed that we might feel comfortable answering. Are your lives or our lives too chaotic to see gospel opportunities in the lives of people around us? Are we too busy to even notice? Or another way to ask are we too bored To make the most of our time right now. Are we too busy or too bored. To make the most of the opportunity. And right now we are definitely limited. At least socially limited. But there are plenty of opportunities around you right now. A family member. A neighbor. A co-worker. Someone you can connect with on Zoom, which is now the new place to connect with people. People are considering their lives right now. They are considering life in general. They are considering big picture things right now. It's a great opportunity to make much of Jesus. So this this call to walk in wisdom, to live in such a way that's conducive to witnessing to the gospel, also doubled down with this, this call to make the most of our time, is part of what it looks like to treasure Christ in the world now, in our lives. And in a heart fueled from treasuring Christ looks at all these opportunities. And so may we have hearts that are fueled with treasuring Christ So that we can see in our lives all these incredible opportunities to make much of Jesus. Now thirdly, we see in our passage is that not only are we to walk in wisdom and make the most of our time. But we are also to do this with grace. To do this with grace. That we are to have grace-seasoned speech. Paul says there, let your speech always be gracious-seasoned with salt, that we would have this grace-seasoned speech. I want to say that in Paul's day and the use of language in his day, when you would use the word for speech and grace and salt all together in, in sort of a run, just like he does here, he wants you to, to know, and, and they would have understood him to mean that That the content or the manner of your speech would be grace-filled. That you would have a gracious manner of speaking to those who are outside of the community of God's people. So we are to be marked with a gracious manner of speech that is winsome and warm and welcoming to further conversation. It's very important that we understand this description. The original audience of Paul's day would have understood that what he's asking and calling them to do in their speech is to be winsome and warm and welcoming for further conversation. But sadly and broadly, I think we're very far from that. I'll get on to that in a moment. So so what he says here is gracious speech seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. Perhaps many of us know that in, in their day, salt was a preservative. It would help keep the meat. But salt was also used, like it is used now, to improve or enhance or draw out the flavors. So it's it's about... Improving the taste or the flavor. Now, we all have our go-to seasonings when we go to make our favorite meals. And I certainly will not share with you my incredible egg white omelet meal that I make. It's perfection and it's proprietary knowledge belonging to me. And I'm not just going to freely give that out. But we all have our favorite seasonings that we like to use. In the manner that Paul is using this expression, we see that salt plus gracious speech are to be like inviting meals to unbelievers. That the way we talk would be like an inviting meal to someone. One commentator put it like this. The Colossians' words of witness should be attractive To unbelievers' spiritual appetites. I like that. That our words should appeal to and and be attractive to unbelievers' spiritual appetites. But broadly speaking, right now, most unbelievers have very little appetite for most of the speech that is coming from quote-unquote Christian voices. If you're more inclined to argue your politics, all you're doing is throwing flavorless red meat to people who already agree with you. It's discouraging and wearying to see how Christian speech has been reduced to political bickering and barking. Unbelievers aren't coming to your barbecue if your speech is nothing but politics right now we actually have a most incredibly profound moment a huge one people are thinking and feeling and wrestling with and considering things very differently right now in their lives the covid-19 reality has prompted hearts with an appetite for something more for something bigger for for something that feels like, sounds like, hope. What will your speech invite them to consider? Now, I want to say this. I may get in trouble for it. But just out of a sort of blunt, truthful aspiration, no one really cares about what you think concerning COVID-19 our nation's response, or when we should all open up once again. No one really cares. But people are longing for hope. People are longing for something more. Their lives have been flipped upside down, and they're going to be drawn to people who are living with hope and who speak with gracious words that are well-seasoned and are inviting them To more and more and more conversation. We have the privilege of living right now. Right now, this is a privilege. We have the privilege to speak in such a way that we are inviting others to an incredible meal about God's grace for them in Christ Jesus. Let's be watchful over our speech. Just as much as we are watchful in prayer. Let's consider the privilege of living right now. And let's go about making much of Christ. So guard your heart. Fortify your heart. By treasuring Christ above all else. And treasure Christ in all of your relationships as we considered last week. And go about treasuring Christ in this world. Do so prayerfully. Do so purposely. Do so with grace. And let's see how God would use that in the lives of people around us and in our world. And may he do something awesome. May others come to treasure Christ too. Oh, that he would use our church family to do something incredible in Nashua. May it be so. Let's pray. God, we thank you. And we can consider this your word and parts of it are hard to hear because it's convicting. God, we pray that you would help us to, to, to feel that conviction, yes, and run to you when confession and for longing for grace to live out our lives, treasuring Christ in this world. God, may, may we be a prayerful people. And may we be a gospel purposeful people who are longing to be, to be living out their, our lives in such a way that it's inviting others to an incredible meal around your gospel. So God, help us equip our hearts with a greater understanding of all that we have in Christ. And equip our lives to make much of him, we pray in Jesus' name amen. Well, continue on in your worship folder, sing heartily in response, close your time together, reflecting on God's word, have a blessed, blessed day. Stay safe, and we'll see you in the week ahead.